Welcome back to Bootability, a weekly interview series about the amazing ability we all have to change our lives and the world if we're brave enough to tap into it. I'm your host, Jihi Jolly. Today we're talking about what it really takes to face your reality, especially when that requires taking a hard look at yourself. Our guest is Miho Saito of Long Beach, California, who shares the ups and downs of a journey in which she continually left home in search of herself in an effort to avoid things that felt too difficult to face. Eventually, through her Buddhist practice of chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, Miho found the courage to come home to herself. I'll let Miho share the rest. My name is Miho Saito. I am 30 years old. I'm calling from Long Beach, California, and I'm a recruiter um, by, I guess, job, and I'm pursuing acting, so I'm an actor as well. So first of all, thank you for taking the time to share your story and also vulnerably share your story because we're going to get into some real stuff today. Um, But I always like to start the show with, you know, a brief kind of Um, introduction to your introduction to Buddhism. So if you could just tell me like the short story of how you (laughs) encountered Buddhism originally, and then like when you decided to start chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, why? Mm. So I grew up in a household where my parents practiced Buddhism. So it was in my environment, like we had Buddhist meetings at home and stuff. But I didn't take it upon myself until about um, I was in high school, like junior high, high school, junior, junior, oh my God, junior year of high school. Um, I was struggling depression at the time. And that wasn't actually what got me started in chanting. I didn't know what I wanted for my future. And when I decided that I wanted to go to this particular college, that got me in front of um, the Gohonzo, the scroll that we chant to, and I started chanting Nam Myoho Renge Kyo, and I was able to get in, and that was my first like benefit in this practice, and I saw just like how my internal world changed, where I didn't feel as hopeless anymore. So that was my first experience, and the reason why I decided to chant. Wow, that's a major first experience. <laughs> It was huge. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was a struggle. I was always academic, but I wasn't like very um, good in school in terms of like good at taking tests and stuff. So one of the biggest things that really hindered my getting into this particular college was SATs. And mm-hmm. I had to take it five times. <laughs> and like wow. the last time I chanted to be able to go to the school and like that was my highest score that I ever got. Um So, yeah, it was like such a immediate effect of chanting that made me be like, wow, this works. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I always feel like it's the experiences where like you you bring a different version of yourself to the table, you know, like dealing with a fear or or something internal that are like the best experiences because it's like so private, but at the same time, so monumental when you like challenge something like that. Yeah, Um, especially back then, too, because it was like my world was so like my world was school, I guess, you know, being young mm -hmm. and it was 
I didn't think that I could overcome this big hurdle that I always struggled with, which was test taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, okay. I'm trying to think of where to start. Um, so I'll, I'll introduce kind of today's theme a little bit. Um, cause I know that you've had a number of experiences and I'm, I know your practice sort of developed over time along with your life. Um, so, so today we want to talk about, um, just generally like what it really takes to face your reality head on, which, you know, um, it's different for all of us. Like sometimes we're faced with a really big challenge. Other times we're feeling lost. Sometimes it's both of those things at the same time, you know, and, um, it can be hard when you don't know kind of what, what like path to take your life on, um, to face reality when, when you have to. So that's kind of the, the gist of what we're going to talk about today, but for you specifically, as much as you're kind of comfortable sharing, um, I know that, you know, after college, you lived away from home for a number of years in a number of places um, and had a number of really interesting experiences um, that kind of led you to to this bigger inner journey, if you will. So can we just start with like the the synopsis, like j- just so we I'll ask follow up questions, but just kind of after after college, kind of what happened? Where did life take you? Sure. So. I graduated with a liberal arts degree. And at the time I was like, I don't know what to do with a liberal arts degree. Like I wasn't planning on being a teacher. So um, I chanted and the job that I got was to open a bakery and restaurant in Hawaii. And they, it was not open. It was like still under construction. So the company that hired me wanted me to go train in Japan. And I like went there to um, work in the Japanese culture. So I was there for some time, still didn't open. And around this time, I started dating somebody. So I was like, this was the beginning of my back and forth of like being pulled in the directions of like my love interest or like the person that I was dating. So I, um, for a short period, lived in um, Colorado, in Durango, Colorado, down by the river in a van. And in this experience, uh, my company called me and told me that they were going to open. So I like rushed back to California where I was staying with my parents, packed up my bags and then moved to Hawaii. Um, And in this time, I was, of course, chanting, but like it was my first experience really stepping out into the real world. So um, I really had a hard time just like trying to manage working. And then like, what does it look like to find my own self? And I was in Hawaii for about two years working in the food and restaurant industry. Um, I was able to work as a vegan chef and manage a kitchen and all of that was good, but I didn't quite feel like it was my path and I got burnt out, to be honest with you. And in the meantime, um, the person that I was dating came and lived with me. So um, we decided to move back to the mainland and um, convert a forerunner that he had that had like already 100,000 miles on it and travel around the West Coast. So this was, yes, that was the (laughs) beginning, like, I guess, synopsis and beginning of the journey of like, coming back around to the mainland or, um, yeah. Wow. So wait, when you moved back to California, how long were you on the road? Did you continue to live on the road? 
Um, uh, so when I came back to California from Hawaii, yeah. So I touched in for maybe a month, and then I was, we converted this forerunner, like took out the back seats, put in a bed, and then was on the road for maybe four or five months. So we went seven thousand miles around eight states. Um, just yeah, that was that was our living situation, and we hopped around, always on the go. Um, and then all of this was in search for like where to land. We were looking for a home. Um, mm -hmm. I was personally looking for myself. I was really searching for who I was. And at the time, I thought that the answers lay in between the yellow lines or like in the community that I settled in or the people that I met um, that were always like alternative because I had like assigned this identity to myself that I was alternative. I was only seeking alternative experiences and um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that sounds like it must have been fun and like so, so many adventures I'm sure along the way, um, which I am going to, I'm going to, I don't want to get off topic where I will start asking yeah. about them, <laughs> but um, yeah. I, uh, yeah, I, so first of all, like what you're sharing is also incredibly relatable just in terms of the emotional experience. Cause I feel like graduating into a world that has so rapidly been changing, you know, like in the last 10 years, even, um, I can't imagine what it feels like to graduate today, yeah. but like, it's hard to know where you start, right? There is no traditional, um, you do this, then you do this and then you settle down anymore. And, yeah. um, there are a lot of important questions to ask about how we choose to live. So I, I totally feel like the, the core of, of maybe what was driving you. But at the same time, I imagine there must have been challenges in having those types of experiences. So in terms of um, like what was happening for you internally at the time, what was like the suffering or the challenges that you experienced through these adventures? Or what do you think that you were sort of um, looking for? I was looking to see how I could live in a world where I could be myself. But then I didn't even know who my core, like authentic self was. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why in tandem with like finding myself in these like either spiritual communities or like um, people who like really lived off the land that that would like I was trying to vicariously find myself through their experiences, if that makes sense. Because I think, as we all know, there's so much chaos that you are exposed to once you graduate the safeguard of like whatever, you know, university or school system that you've gone through, if that's what you chose. And um, for myself, like I just always was seeking a home, mm -hmm. I think, like a home where I felt like I could be free to like, explore my my life or like just like who I was meant to be and um, I was always like taught this concept of having a mission whether it was through our practice or even going to the university that I went to but I was just like okay like maybe this is my next mission is like I'm gonna be <laughs> traveling around the world and like like I was at the time really on this kick of wanting to heal society through food um, like the farm to table movement. So I was like, okay, I'm like 
gonna take this on. It's this is my identity, and I'm gonna assign myself this mission. But then, you know, I was like in the restaurant industry and saw the reality and saw how hard it was. That I was like, okay, maybe this isn't it. Uh, next thing, I'm gonna try like nutrition or like all of these ideas that I have, but nothing really quite stuck. So、mm-hmm. I think the struggle was for me just like, what was it that I truly desired? I didn't know because I didn't know where to like from what place in my heart that I could like find that if that makes any sense. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, in some ways, you're describing like the struggle of being a young person, you know? Oh, a hundred percent. Like this, this is exactly what it is—just like like searching for where you belong and and where you can make a contribution while、mm. feeling safe. And happy and healthy. Yeah, and then at the same time, like, what do I do with my arms, right? When I'm like <laughs> trying to like talk to people. So yeah, it's, it's it was really that I think.、Um, mm-hmm. But I also didn't want to like put myself on a path where I was in a job that I didn't like or like living a life that wasn't my own.、Mm-hmm. Um, and so I swung the other direction. I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to hear sort of. How we got to where you are today, and I know so much happened in between. But just、mm-hmm. like fr- from this initial chapter,、um, how do I ask this? Just like one follow up.、Um, do you feel like you realize like what you're describing now? This kind of、mm-hmm. I was going from one thing to the next, but like I, it sounds like was feeling a little bit lost. Like when you were in it, did you were you aware of that, or is this retrospect? You know oh, this、I mean? is totally retrospect. <laughs> I think during that time, I was like, I was so in it, like I was committed, and so like,、um, but something in my heart, like in my gut, was like, I don't know, like always questioning. So、mm-hmm. I think one of the fears that I held at the time was, am I always going to question my life? Like, am I always going to question the direction that I'm going? And that was something that I really. Was trying to avoid, which was making me so like wanting to grasp at everything that was in front of me to be like, okay, this is what's next, or this is what I'm going to like, like grab onto to so that I feel secure、um, mm. of my life because I I wasn't feeling that way. Yeah, yeah, I completely hear you.、Um, so in terms of your practice, like, were you were you consistently Chanting during this time, and was Buddhism still a big part of your life, or yeah, what was happening sort of in that realm? I mean, I like chanted to the trees, like, <laughs> like but like I think one of the key things that I really appreciate about our community is the fact that we have a community.、Um, mm-hmm. And when I was traveling, I was alone, so like I was like talking to people about Buddhism, and I was like chanting, but it felt so lonely and.、Um, But I I do feel like that's what kept me grounded the whole time of like continue to be like questioning is this it is this it is this it because it doesn't feel like it and I think if I didn't have my practice or if I wasn't chanting I would have probably settled、um, into a place or like a path that wasn't my own、um, yeah so I I was definitely chanting、um, but not in the way that like I feel like. Is what nece- is necessary for my life to move forward? Or,、mm. yeah, yeah. Wow, that's a, actually a really、um, interesting insight. Like to to know, I, you know, you, sometimes、uh, when we settle, we don't 
realize until much later that we did. Yeah. But like the fact that you still, even if you didn't quite find what you were looking for yet, knew that that was not what you were looking for is pretty remarkable, <laughs> you know. Um, I really attribute it to the to our practice, I think, or just the the chanting that I feel like we always talk about wisdom and compassion when we chant. It like brings it out of our life, and I know that like my wisdom or something inside of me was like, "Mijo, this isn't it." Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, what would you say then was like, like the first? turning point in terms of okay I need to like I want to move towards more sustainable happiness I guess is one way to put it I mean I don't think it was even conscious and it all came out of like practical reasons I just ran out of money (laughs) when I was traveling I was I was living off of my savings that I had from working in Hawaii and um I just saw my account dwindling and I had bills to pay still. Like I had student loans that I had deferred to be on this grand adventure because I had imagined by the end of it, I would be settled somewhere in nature, like doing what I love. And that wasn't the case at all. Um, And at the same time, my relationship was also disintegrating. Mm -hmm. So I was like living, you know, like... (laughs) with this person, waking up with this person, like always with this person. But like, as we continued moving forward on this trip, we just kind of started to feel worlds apart. So Mm -hmm. I had to come home um, because or else like I couldn't sustain my life or my like lifestyle. And so when I came home, um, the first thing that I did was I kind of got reconnected to the community because I had nothing else to do. Like I didn't have a job um, or like a full-time job. And I um, was so lost, like, because I just didn't know what to do next. I knew like what I knew was that I just had to find myself in myself. I just feel like Like the first thing I knew to do was I needed to chant like consistently. And then two was like, get grounded again. Mm. And so everything else will fall into place, hopefully. So, yeah. but as, as I continued to do that, um, it just became clear that this life that I had wanted, because I was planning on kind of saving up money, settling down and then going to Colorado to trim weed to like make extra cash and then continuing it all over again. But um, I just saw this stark difference between like the life that I was wanting or like imagining to live and how I felt when I was like back home, which I did not want to be back home, but like back integrated into this like Buddhist community where I felt so held and like treasured for who I was versus what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. It does it does make sense. And I feel like um, what you're touching on is actually a really important Buddhist concept that we've we've discussed a few times on the show, but it's like, the most important, which is um, the oneness of life and environment or self and environment, which is, you know, for those who are new, just like your environment is a reflection of your life. So like, what which can sound so harsh and like not fun to listen to sometimes or most of the time (laughs) but it's it's kind of like that like it which is why in buddhism we don't 
search for things externally, like whatever changes within you, your environment is going to reflect that. And you can experience the most exciting, beautiful place on earth as the worst, if that's where your internal life is, or the most plain, boring, mundane place as the most joyful, inspiring place, you know? (laughs) So yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so um, in terms of like, so let me just recap for a second. It mm-hmm. sounds like if I'm understanding correctly, you, you know, your initial years after college and this experience in Hawaii, you were like, I'm going to experience things and I'm going to, I'm going to look for where I want to be. And then you do that for a while and kind of end up having to come home because it's not financially sustainable, <laughs> which is completely understandable. Yeah. Um, and I, I want to understand a little bit of like, why didn't you want to stay in one place, you know, like you, you described yourself being sort of like, um, surprised at how held and warm you felt at being reconnected with the community. But initially that was not what you were like going there for. So I'm just curious to understand like the circumstances of, you know, quote unquote reality that you were escaping from, like, why was it that you didn't really want to stay or what was sort of going on there? Does that make sense? Yeah, I don't know if there's like an articulate way to say this. I just felt like I would be excited. Like the excitement of something new was always so promising. And then I would accomplish it. And then I would have to do the work or like face like who I was in that environment. And I would get antsy or I would Mm -hmm. feel angsty or I would just feel like this isn't what I wanted or this isn't what I expected. And so I didn't have the bandwidth at the time to be like, no, you are able to change it. I was like, no, this place sucks. I'm going to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I think it was more that like I didn't feel settled in myself. So I just kept blaming my circumstances or my environment and wanting to literally like uproot and change my environment every time I felt that way. Mm, I see. Yeah. Yeah. That. Uh, that totally makes sense. I feel like we all yeah. do that in big and small ways all the time, you know, like, yeah. oh, my job isn't working out. Must be my boss. Must be the yep. environment. Going to quit and go to the next one. And then you end up meeting another version of the same boss again. Right. Right. <laughs> or you feel the same way with a person or your colleague. Like you can't run away from yourself. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. so it sounds like you were sort of like dancing around this kind of imp- important realization of okay if I don't feel at home in myself like I need to to do something about that and that's essentially what Buddhism is for like we we chant to really uh feel at home and whole in ourselves and then be able to really contribute to our environment from that kind of happy filled up place so um were there any like what did sort of the trajectory look like when you were like okay it's time to turn inward you know like where did you start Um, (laughs) I don't know if like, yeah, a lot of this is in retrospect that like, I'm like, oh, wow, I wasn't, I was totally finding happiness or looking for happiness outside of my own like circle or like myself. Um, because at the time I was just suffering. Like, Mm -hmm. so once I landed back home, um, I got involved in our Buddhist community. And um, my boyfriend at the time was still wanting to like keep on this lifestyle. And um, 
they're just like the fissure between us just kind of grew bigger and bigger and we ultimately decided to break up but at first like that was like the most painful process because i think our lives had become so enmeshed and there was no like separation between me and me and him mm. and that um that was what led me to like really just chant um and like and like seek I guess of like be like I there's something wrong like why am I why was my happiness so based on this person mm. um and why do I feel so not whole without him <laughs> um and that's kind of what really got me to start practicing consistently again So in our practice like we're given the opportunity to support or like you know just support other young women or just our fellow Buddhist friends in their practice and I think just having that kind of keeping me here <laughs> was what helped. I if it were up to me, I would have kind of picked up and left again. Mm-hmm. So just all the things that kept me being like, okay, you have to stay. Like and without even me being conscious about it being like okay these are the things that i'm working on to change like in the process of me fighting this tendency to like run i think just like naturally transformed whatever it was that i was seeking or wanting outside of myself but then of course like after a year when i um after a year that i came home um my dad was diagnosed with cancer so that was like the one thing that was like okay mm-hmm. miho you really have to stay but i did try to go like even when my dad um was diagnosed with stage 3 lung cancer the first reaction was i'm going to move back to hawaii cuz all of a sudden i thought like my mission was back there again um and i literally packed up my bags to move back mm-hmm. but The difference this time was I had a foundation in my practice again where I was chanting and I was really chanting okay me how like I know this is what you want but is this really the right choice mm. and um yeah I decided to stay mm. cuz I was like dad I'm a chant for you like we, we're going to be <laughs> we're going to beat this thing but I'm going to be in Hawaii and like um yeah and he was having a major surgery and I just decided like I can't leave at this time. I don't know what it's going to look like for me to stay, but I just have to face this. Mm. Yeah, wow. I mean, that's no no small thing, you know. Like yeah. I'm sure it took courage for you to in a sense that's like a new experience too, cuz at some point the new experience has become the familiar thing to do. Yeah. And the staying staying in one place, particularly in that kind of situation, I'm sure it was hard. for your family and for you to even just process what was happening. Um yeah. Yeah. So I'm just thinking from the perspective of someone who might be listening um that's kind of new to Buddhism but relates in in some way to this trajectory where you're like okay I kind of went around the moon and then I came back and was like okay I'm back where I started. <laughs> um well I'm pretty sure what I was looking for was not out there but now i'm here again and i don't know how i feel about it like where did you start in terms of did you like set 
goals for what you were chanting about or like what did the project become if you will <laughs> um i was very lucky i think because um i know i mentioned one of the first things that brought me home was financial and before i left for hawaii my old boss from when i was working with him in college reached out to me at a very like opportune time and asked if I could help him recruit um, for a candidate in Japan. And I was like, look, I'm going to be traveling around. Um, I don't know if I could commit to this. And he's like, totally okay. Like we could do this remote. So as we were traveling, I was like landing in different coffee shops and then working um, as much as I could. And I was able to hire someone in Japan and when I came back home, I went to go see him and he was like, look, you're good at this. Like, why don't you work for me? And that was like one of the first things that like I had to decide and I had to chant about because it was either that or like I said, go to Colorado to trim marijuana. Um, <laughs> and I was really considering like what to choose because I was like okay like I still get to live my life and I was like maybe there's a world where I could do both but um ultimately like what happened was we were able to get a client and he assigned me that project he's like you you literally have a full-time job now <laughs> like wow what are you gonna do and this was like that kind of helped in my decision making um and then I kept chanting, though, because that wasn't my dream. Like it it was convenient and I felt so grateful for for having just like a means to be able to start getting my life together again. But I still was like looking for um, my path, like in terms of my career, because that was really important to me. And I was a doula for a while. So like that was my first project um, <laughs> that I was like, I'm going to be a doula in L.A. And I did that. Um, but one thing that kind of came out of left field was that um, I went to a dinner with a friend in high school and they had a commercial agency um, and they, uh, they just decided to sign me. And like at the time, I was just like, why am I doing commercials or like, you know, but this was actually a dream of mine when I was in middle school is to was to be an actor. And I let it go because I was like, the more responsible choice is to study and to get into college and to somehow find a corporate job, because that's mm -hmm. what we're told that we should do. And so um, I started going out and like getting auditions. And that's kind of a lot of it was external things that literally kept me beholden to L.A. or to like where I am um, back at home, but also like. I think for my own life, that's what I needed. Because mm -hmm. if I didn't have those things, I would just be like flailing, like, you know, one of those green men on like a car <laughs> dealership. <laughs> um, so I feel like those were like benefits of my Buddhist practice that like I got what I needed, not what I wanted. But it was actually what I wanted deep down. Um, mm -hmm. I just didn't know it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just when you when you use that analogy just now, I sort of like what this entire thing that you're describing kind of feels like um capturing the wind. You know what yeah. I mean? 
And uh, it's so like, that's one of the coolest things about chanting because people always ask like, how does it work? You know, and it's not magic. It's our own effort. But you're totally right. Like when you chant, you can trust that what your life needs is what's going to show up in your life, whether that's explicitly what you're chanting for Mm -hmm. or it kind of comes out of left field. Like it, it all ends up being aligned. And so I'm just like envisioning sort of the, the kind of the perfect infrastructure to kind of guide the wind (laughs) a little bit emerged. (laughs) You literally like this girl needs this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Wow. So, so, okay. So you decided to, to pursue acting and then you actually had this kind of steady income, it sounds. Um, and you were with your, your family through, I guess, you know, your dad's treatment. Um, but in terms of like, you know, circling back to what you mentioned earlier of like not feeling at home in yourself, how did you sort of grapple with that? Like on a day-to-day basis when you were chanting, what is it that you were chanting about or um, feeling internally? At the time, I didn't know that was what I was struggling with because I still have my tendencies. Like even though externally, like my life has settled down or felt more grounded, like there was just like still cracks where it was just flowing like this tendency where I like wanted to grasp at things that was like externally so that I felt at home or like felt like I was valuable and instead of like wanting to travel or like move or leave it kind of went to dating like so I just started seeking my worth in different relationships Mm -hmm. um So that was like, that became my next project, I guess, because like (laughs) kind of echoing what you were saying. Um, And yeah, that I just continued to meet people who didn't respect me. And it just got worse and worse and worse. Um, But I didn't see that like, I was attracting them, like, because of course, we have the oneness of self and environment. I was always like, oh, no, like, they're the, the bad guys or like, I I think because like I didn't know that I was literally attracting people that reflected how I felt about myself. Mm. And so as I was kind of starting out in my acting career and I was settled in my job and my dad was going through treatment, like I had one outlet, which was like, I'm just going to try to find a man for myself or like, um, yeah, kind of let out steam by just like dating people. I I feel like what you're describing um is like you you once you started to feel more grounded and you were chanting, you know, in Buddhism we call this fortune, like mm-hmm. the what could be described as luck, um but really it's just the accumulation of your own efforts in your Buddhist practice um present you with like positive opportunities or circumstances or you know, things to use to continue to grow. And so it sounds like you're kind of on this trajectory, but um, in terms of like how uh, happy you were feeling with it inside, uh, you know, what you're describing, like just this this other outlet of dating, which again, we all do it. It's It doesn't, these things are not necessarily good or bad, but like, it sounds like it was still a version of escaping reality, if I'm hearing you correctly. So yeah. I'm curious, like what what was the, turning point or like when did you realize like oh it's the same tendency again 
So this was in the middle of the pandemic and I had moved out and um, I was dating someone and I was sexually assaulted by this person. So it was a, like a really shocking experience and like I actually started going to therapy for like in terms of romantic relationships, I kept just attracting people that somehow like really didn't respect me. But every time that I was chatting about it, like my mind would go to, okay, like he's still a Buddha, like without recognizing one, that that was a really traumatic experience for me. And then um, as I was chanting, one day I realized that I didn't believe that I was a Buddha or I didn't believe that I was inherently good or I didn't believe that I was inherently worthy, um, all of these things. And so not that that was like the aha moment and it changed in a second, but recognizing that kind of helped me track everything that I struggled with over the last four or five years, which was like escaping or like running away whenever things got hard or why I wasn't fully engaged in my dad's cancer battle all came down to me and how I saw myself. Mm -hmm. And in terms of my dad's cancer battle, like I was physically there, but I just like, there was a part of me that felt like I wanted to keep an arm's length away from it. And Mm -hmm. It's because I because I didn't see myself as a Buddha, like I didn't see his life as a Buddha. And it's not something that I walk around consciously thinking these things, but it was something that like really like came out of the depths of my life. Mm. Yeah, whoa. Thank you for for sharing um, honestly. And if you're okay with it, I want to unpack what you just introduced or this idea, because I feel like Mm -hmm. like this is it, you know? Um, Yeah in Buddhism and in in this story, but also like in life (laughs) where, you know, to, to understand or to accept or to believe that you are a Buddha is just to really, like you said, believe in the greatness of your own life, the dignity of your own life and respect your own life. Um, But it's really, really hard to do. It's not something that we're like born being able to do naturally in all cases. And if we don't, you know, for so many reasons, it's hard. So I, I'm just wondering, um, it, just to sort of break it down a little bit, like, do you have a sense of why it, that felt so hard for you to do? And when you did realize, oh, wow, this is what it's coming down to? Like, how do you how do you then take a step forward after that? You know, like, what does one do when they realize that? Well, I mean, that was the exact question that I had because I was like, I had this like huge like realization. I was like, wait, but what does that actually mean then to believe in the opposite? Like, because I had this disbelief of my life and now the tables turn, but I'm like, well, what does that mean then? And um, I, I started just chanting, first of all, to believe that I was or actually like It was something that I had to remember because it's not like we wear this hat when we chant that we're a Buddha. It's just that we're inherently one already. And Mm -hmm. so to to remember that I was like and it's not when I'm like doing good in my job or when I'm, you know, being a good daughter or being a good friend that I'm a Buddha. And when I'm not doing those things, I'm not a Buddha. It's not that that it's like like every moment I am worthy or I'm a Buddha and like as I consistently started to chant about this 
um, to believe that I was a Buddha or to believe that I was like inherently worthy is so interesting because my decision making changed. And it wasn't something that I was like, I'm cautiously going to like make decisions or make choices that's going to like reflect my Buddhahood. But like I, I started to really do things that protected the, my, my life or like, like respected my life. And, um, yeah, I think that that's where, that's where it started. And, um, it was small, like it wasn't big changes, but I, I feel like even I started to be able to chant about my dad's cancer because even if I was like, I was, I had a hard time chanting about it. Mm-hmm. I was so afraid of him dying. So every time I chanted about it, my mind would just like, like dissociate and be like, I'm not going there. But um, I think like I was able to kind of tap into my courage to be like, okay, like, let's, let's go, let's do this. Mm-hmm. We have to face this. Um, and one of the first things that I saw change was um, after I started chanting this way, I two months later, I met my partner. Hmm. Um, and he was nothing like I had ever, no one like I had ever met or like very different than someone I would have chosen in my past, but someone who really respected me and like allowed me to just like be as I am. And I didn't feel like I had to put on airs or change who I was to like be with this person or feel worthy of being with this person. So yeah. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's funny how these things like just happen. Like you didn't have to then go search. <laughs> yeah. Well, cause it's like, I was like searching and searching. And then like every time I was met with just not what I wanted. And then when I really dove deep into like working on myself and mm-hmm. we call it polishing our life, um, but not in the way of like, just like developing skills or anything. I just really, I was struggling. Like I was not having a good time being in this experience, you know, obviously because of, of the aftermath of the assault, but, um, I was super committed to just wanting to like pave a path for myself where I was no longer running from myself again. Mm. What, what did that look like specifically? Like, if you could share an example or two um, of what what the stones on that path actually meant. Um, like I said, I started going to therapy, but that was something that came mm-hmm. out of me chanting, being like, okay, like, what is it that I need? And then I was like, I need help. Um, mm-hmm. But also in my Buddhist community, I started sharing more openly about mm-hmm. my struggles. Like, because I think I carried a lot of shame around who I was just being so like flippant about the gravity of the situation with my dad and um, just like how I used to live my life, I guess. Um, But I think as I continue to like ease into like finding home in myself, um, my environment started to reflect that. So Mm -hmm. in terms of the steps, Like, I can't concretely say, but I was just like a change in how I chanted, Mm. which then led to like taking 
actions or doing things that reflected the first cause that I made. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That totally makes sense. Actually, that's like such a strong case for, you know, for for those who practice Buddhism for a while, maybe they've heard somebody in the community share this. And if you're new, just, you know, don't waste time and make the same mistake. But um, chanting should always be first. I appreciate you sharing that. And that's part of the reason I, I wanted to sort of address this, this theme of, of really what it takes to face reality, because sometimes that reality is like what you described, you know, when you were younger of just like not feeling at home in yourself and then looking everywhere else to find yourself. And other times it can be like, you know, a, a really big obstacle in your family or in your work life or whatever it might come up. Um, but for anyone who might currently be in that spot, you know, like, mm. I don't know if I want to face this. I don't want to look at it. It's like looking at the sun is too much. It's overwhelming. I, I'll look in any other direction, you know? Um, I I just, I wonder, yeah, I I usually end with advice, but I, I, I'll just ask now, you know, like what advice would you give to, to someone in that kind of a situation that like allowed you to do the same? You know, to be honest, like, I don't, I could only speak from my own experience and what I was, what I, had the fortune of experiencing. Um, But I had a lot of good friends, like Buddhist friends that supported me at the time. Um, Mm -hmm. I couldn't have done it alone. Because like, there was just two in particular that really like, kind of held me when I went through the assault. And as my, you know, dad was um, battling his cancer, but they really helped me study together. and just reminded me that like I had the potential to change this that -hmm. came from my life. And if I didn't have that, I don't know where I would be. So I think it comes in two parts. Like to be able to find a good friend is like a treasure. Mm -hmm. Like it's everything in this world. And in particular, like especially for me in in my Buddhist community, that was like one of the pivotal things for my transformation. But also because I've had this friend, like it made me be like, okay, I could keep going. It hurts. And I'm going to share it with you and tell you how much it hurts. But I'm going to keep crawling um, no matter what. So Mm -hmm. I think the thing is like to consistently chant is key. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it truly, truly is. Because like it is a consistent chanting that will lead you to the good friends, to the yeah. the right material or quote that will help you refine your perspective just a little bit more. And then the, the hard action, of course, too. Um, yeah. Along those lines, because um, of course, study is such a crucial part of our Buddhist practice. Do you have a favorite concept or quote or anything that you discovered that helped you through this journey? Yeah, so when I first came home, Um, and I was kind of rooting myself back into our practice. Um, I didn't really understand the concept of study, but the first thing that I studied was one of the letters that Nichiren Daishoni wrote to his followers, and it's called Unattaining Buddhahood in This Lifetime. But it became like a lifeline for me. Um, and one of the two things that he says 
is nevertheless, even though you chant and believe in myo ho if you think the law is outside yourself, you're embracing not the mystic law, but an inferior teaching. And then a couple lines later, he says, therefore, when you chant myoho and recite renge, you must summon up deep faith that myoho is your life itself. Hmm. And yeah, I, I love those because it's essentially saying that you and the universe are the same. There's no separation. And if you don't believe that you're not practicing this Buddhism, no matter how much you chant, it's going to not change. So I think like when we chant, it helped me remember or this process helped me remember who I truly was, you know, like and it's not a career or it's not like the dream that I subscribe myself to. But it's just this like inherent identity that I am. Mm. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So just two kind of wrap up questions. Um, So kind of, I mean, I know, you know, that this is still sort of the middle of the journey. We're never really done with any of what we're talking about. There's no like end point. Congratulations, it's over. (laughs) (laughs) You know, because you keep going. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, But but just looking back on these last few years, and this kind of journey that you have described, sort of leading up to this, this turning point and this realization about your own worth um Mm -hmm. is there uh like like how would you define what your victory is you know I mean I know Mm. all these different aspects of your life changed your career and relationship and um you know but but like overall like how would you define your victory man that I'm not someone that runs away anymore And I think that in particular was so crucial when my dad was transitioning. Mm -hmm. Like my first instinct wasn't to be was like to be like, I'm going to sit here and fight with you, dad, versus like. I'm going to try to distract myself and run away and not face this painful reality. And so. I feel like I've been able I mean it's a work in progress right because I think we're going to be in this work until the day we die and we get to do it all over again but like I feel like because my dad took this on this cancer it really helped me become this kind of person that no longer runs and so I was I feel like I'm able to be be someone that has appreciation for everything even the painful Mm -hmm. stuff And I think that really comes from our Buddhist practice or this philosophy that you create meaning out of your life. Mm. This could have ended very like as a sad story, you know, because I did go through a lot of painful experiences, but I feel like because I had this practice and I chanted about it, like now they've become like these kind of just treasures where I like really look back fondly and be like, I was able to change because of them. Mm-hmm. And so the, yeah, like it's all internal things that I feel like I really hold on to as like, they're irreplaceable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, thank you for, for sharing that. Cause I, those are um, in Buddhism, what we call treasures of the heart, mm-hmm. right? There's like different kinds of treasures, the, the storehouse, the body, the heart, and some of those are just material things and good health and 
important as they are, the the most important are exactly what you're describing, the heart. Yeah. 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 Wow. Um, well, thank you for sharing all of this. I'm super encouraged just just hearing like the realness of this entire journey. Um, I'm excited to see sort of where you go next as well. That's kind of like what's most uh, inspiring about like bootability stories. You know, it's it's just like uh, I'm like constantly meeting people who are now even more equipped to take on the next thing and and how you got there. So it's just so, so inspiring. Um but I, I want to close with a question that I normally don't ask, um, mm-hmm. which is advice, but instead of to to someone who's new to chanting, since you already shared a little bit about that, um, advice to your younger self. If you could give <laughs> a piece of <laughs> advice to Miho years ago, either out of college or, or Miho who's headed back home, run out of money <laughs> or, or any, you can choose which one. What wow. piece of advice, um, you know, knowing what you know now, um, what piece of advice would you give her? You're perfect as you are. I want to leave you today with the following words from Buddhist philosopher Daisaku Ikeda, which get to the heart of honoring every part of our journey, even with the ups and downs. He writes, nothing is irredeemable in youth. Rather, the worst mistake you can make when young is to give up and not challenge yourselves for fear of failure. The past is the past and the future is the future. Keep moving forward with a steady eye on the future, telling yourselves, I'll start from today. I'll start fresh from now, from this moment. This is the essence of Nichiren Buddhism, the Buddhism of true cause, the spirit to start from the present moment. This is the heart of chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo. On that note, as always, if you'd like to learn more about chanting Nam-myoho-renge-kyo, we have plenty of resources at bootability.org. And if you'd like to get connected to your local Buddhist community, you can always email us at connect at sgi-usa.org. That's all for today, and we'll see you next week.